Well, hello and welcome to episode 152 of Beyond the Weight with Henny and Sandy. Let's just get this out of the way. I am dying to know that what I, happened I, with the missing brace. Oh my God. And so if you remember, I told you I had looked everywhere. Like I dumped the laundry out again, like twice. I was looking everywhere. Couldn't find it under the bed. Nothing. I, I, I was like, I have no idea where it is. So I did go yeah. and get another one that I got another one that day. Cause I needed to have one. And so the next morning we'd eaten breakfast and Phil had gone to have a shower and I hear him like queso. So I go into the bathroom and there is Phil standing there with my brace in his hand. And I said, where was where it? Where was it? I opened the drawer where the Q-tips were. <laughs> <laughs> and the brace was in the drawer? Yes, but that's on his side, like under his sink. So he is, we have four little drawers. Like I have two, he has two. So I had already looked through all of my drawers. I looked through the big one, like in the middle where we have all the extra products, but I didn't open up the one where he has like the, the Q-tips. Yeah. Obviously I had gone <laughs> to grab a Q-tip, but I had the brace in my other, in my hand and I put it down. Why? I don't know. I don't need two hands to get one Q-tip. <laughs> But then I went and actually shut the drawer. But but of course I, you didn't search those drawers because those aren't are like. Would you not typically have like? Is grabbing a Q-tip a part of your regular morning routine? Most mornings, yeah. Okay, well then you should have checked that drawer, Sandy. <laughs> I know, but Henny, but I don't even remember that I use. I, I like you know you know you you do things and you don't remember the whole routine of it. You know, like yeah. All and all that day, I was like looking all over the place. Like I, I was like, oh, maybe I put it here. So then I went and I opened up some other <laughs> cupboard. You know, I had my the drawer with my bras in it, thinking, well, maybe it's with like the skin tone bras because it is right. skin tone. You know, yeah. maybe I had it inside out, and so now it's with my black underwear. You know, like <laughs> I, checked, I was I, like, I really thought about it. Anyways. <laughs> Now, now, but you found it. Yeah. So now people can just rest easy because now you know where it was. Yeah. I have been dying to know because, of course, it's been a few, like, it was a few days ago that you texted yeah. me and you were like, so I found the brace. Did you want me to tell you where it was? But you didn't. And I'm, and I'm glad for the big yeah. reveal. I can't believe it. But oh I, I mean, it wasn't, it, it wasn't that good a spot. But, but I even was, love, but even to have set it down in the drawer in the first place like why why I, would you have put it in the drawer at all I, it like like if you wanted to put it down so that you had your hand free like wouldn't you have put it on a counter you know like it just you would not make sense right well thank you i know i don't make any sense i mean you already know that this is not new news to you yeah. mystery solved brace and i've got two braces all's good well, now the second thing henny Ooh, okay. There's a second thing. Saturday night, Phil's like, oh, oh we're going to watch a movie because we usually watch a movie. And and then he goes, oh, this is some Ryan Reynolds movie that you recommended. He said, you recommend? I, I said, I did? I said, okay. I mean, I often do send him things and like say, add this to the list, add this to the list. So then he'll just right. go, I don't remember half the things. So anyways, right. we start. I mean, okay, hang on. Put a, put a pin in that. 
Yeah. Because you make fun of me when I don't remember where my book recommendations came from. (laughs) (laughs) All right, continue. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so anyways, so we start watching this movie and I'm looking and I go, how old is this movie? Ryan Reynolds looks like about 19 in this movie. And he's somebody looks to go, so it's from 2014. It's a horror thriller. I said, I would never want to watch a horror thriller. That is not no. the type of movie. And I said, are you sure? And so anyways, Phil went all the way back through messages from me to the name of this movie. He found okay. November 28th after I was on a walk with Henny. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm implicated in this uh, in this movie choice. It was called The Voices. I never heard of this movie before in my life. Well, how was it like quinky-dinky that it was on a day I was on a, a walk with you in Canada that I messaged Phil. Phil's like, I got it right here. You were on a, I, you were, I'm on a walk with Henny. And then I send him this, this stupid movie. He said, did you must, because he said, you must have heard on a podcast or something. Don't I, watch it then. Dumb movie. I I've never heard of the movie. I'm just looking it up right now. A mentally unhinged factory worker <laughs> must decide whether to listen to his talking cat and become a killer or yeah. follow his dog's advice to keep striving for normalcy. <laughs> like he literally kills these people and then cuts their heads off and puts them in his fridge. And then they're like, hello, Ryan, I want, I need a friend. I need a friend. Move that on to is thing. a waste of a movie. Um, I wash my hands of that. That that had nothing to do with me. It's it's completely coincidence that you were on a walk with me and then you recommended the movie. I I I don't think that that doesn't sound like a coincidence to me. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you, I never. I never saw that movie. I never heard of the movie. I That's not the kind of movie I would want to watch. None of it. Now we're in 47 minutes of my life that I'll never get back. If, if anyone's watched that movie and feels as, as strongly as I do about how stupid it was, please, please let me know. It was very disappointing. All right. Especially when I find that with a movie, especially because it is a significant amount of time that you're investing and yeah. But it's not just the time that you're investing. I find the same thing with, like, with a meal that you're looking forward to, too. Like, yeah. then if it's not exactly what you were expecting or if it's not very good. Like, because it's all of the anticipation beforehand and then it's the... I mean, I guess the one good thing that comes out of a bad movie is there's plenty to talk about afterward. Maybe. <laughs> I guess. It's <laughs> not en- enough of a silver lining. I'm not sure. No, it's... <laughs> It's, I just feel bitter. Uh, we know what we know. What would have been worse if we'd paid to rent it? That, that would have been, been worse. worse. Yeah. So yeah. at least at we least did. it was at least it was a free view. Yeah. Well, nothing nothing's free, honey. Nothing. No. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> at least you didn't pay extra or a premium Correct. to to watch this stellar yeah. show. Yes, <laughs> it's not premium worthy for sure. No. For sure. Oh my gosh. Okay. Can I, can I tell you about my very first facial experience? (gasps) Please do. So (laughs) I've never had, I never before in my life had had a facial 
And I know that you've talked about it several times and mentioned to me several times that, oh, you would love it. You should go. You should do it. Blah, blah, blah. Never did. Anyway, finally had my very first facial. And I don't know. It wasn't what I was expecting. But I don't actually know what I was expecting. Like, fair. I, I don't really know. Like I, I, I think it's so beyond the the scope of my experiences that I didn't even really know what to think of. But mm-hmm. the first thing that happened was that I was laying down, and that kind of surprised me because in my head I I would be oh. sitting in a chair, so I was surprised that I was laying down. Really? But that was fine. You've so never like, seen, okay okay in a movie. You've never seen someone having a facial before. Okay. That's I'm trying a, to you think. Have. I'm thinking, but I'm thinking of people having a facial and they're sitting like in a chair and their heads are here and they got cucumbers on their eyes. That, that is okay. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. That's, that's the only context I have for a facial. Anyway, so first I'm laying down. Okay, that's fine. No problem. So I'm laying down, super comfortable. That's fine. So the girl comes in, introduces herself to me, and then, and then, and then she says, So tell me about your skin. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say. (laughs) Did you say, did you say I'm a facial virgin here? And so I I think she said, have you had a facial before? And I said, no. And then she said, tell me about your skin. And I literally went, uh, (laughs) because I don't even know what that means. Is it... Like, is your skin sensitive? Is it oily? Is it dry? And I was like, it's not sensitive. (laughs) But like, I don't think, like, I don't know. Like, I I don't think it's, I I think I said, I don't think it's sensitive. (laughs) I said, but slap me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, let's test it out. (laughs) And I was like, I think like, it's oily in some parts. Like, I, I had no idea what to say. Oh my God. And she was like, so would you say it's more like a combination? And I was like, <laughs> I, I guess. You're the expert. <laughs> you for it. <laughs> well, that's it. Like, look at my face. Tell me. <laughs> I don't know. And so, so then she says, uh, well, tell me what kind of, like, what kind of products you use at home. Oh, yeah. And so I said, besides sunscreen? <laughs> and she was like, okay. <laughs> I said, I said, honestly, I'm really lazy when it comes to anything like this. So I said, no, nothing. <laughs> and she was like, okay, then. I, I don't, I don't even think she said anything else. I think she was like, okay, then, well, we'll just get started. And I was like, that's, prob- <laughs> that's probably best <laughs> because I've fully made a mockery of this whole situation <laughs> and a complete fool of myself. So you might as well just get started. And like, and Marcus is next to me because we're in this, we were getting, oh, no, you, like we were both getting facials at the same time. And yeah. so he, I can hear him like snickering to himself <laughs> over there. And I'm like, <laughs> because of course, 
the the girl who came to help him just came in and like started working like there was no yeah. big conversation about his skin she she clearly could see what his skin needed mine was a secret i don't know <laughs> <laughs> anyway oh. so then She's like putting this, what feels like very cold cream on my face, like slathering, like it feels, of course I can't see anything. My eyes are closed. Right. But it feels like she's slathering cold cream on my face, which was quite lovely. That's fine. And then she takes this warm towel Mm. and she like puts it all on my face so that only my nose is like only the my nostrils are out and then she like rubs everything off my face and rubs it off my neck yeah. and chest and and I was like oh like that was nice and then she did it again and then she did it again and then she did it. like I think I think she put something on my face and rubbed it off like five times okay in the course in the course of whatever the time was. And sometimes it was something cold and sometimes it was lukewarm. And one time it was like a little tiny bit tingly. Like it was always like a little bit different. And then at one point she put something like she put something on my face and then she put cold compresses on my eyes and she was like, so we're just going to let the mask set for 10 minutes and we'll be back. And I was like, okay, great. But anyway, it was, it was, the whole experience was, was quite, it was very relaxing. It was, I will tell you that even now, two days later, my skin feels very soft. Nice. Beautiful. So, so it did something. It did something. <laughs> well, and this is the thing because there are lots of different types of facials. So, right. you know, it's like sometimes they'll have a machine where they put like hot steam on it and it opens all the pores up. So then they'll be able to like get any little, any impurities, like the little blackheads and all that kind of stuff will just like come right to the surface. All in all, it was, it was very, it was very relaxing. It was very lovely. Oh my goodness. I'm glad you enjoyed it. confusing. All in all, yeah. a good experience, and I would do it again. Okay, so I I read Cultish. We've talked about this book before. Oh. That is why I don't have Atlas of the Heart complete, because Cultish was needed to go back to the library before, so I, I listened to it. And I also oh, want you to know that I listened to it at 1.5. Phil came in and he goes, what are you listening to? And I said, I'm listening to it. He goes, what? And I said, well, honey... Well, Henny listens to it at 1.75, and he said, the words all run together. You don't even know what they're saying. I said, no, I can understand this woman's voice. And then I played it. I said, here's here's 1.25 and 1. You can hear, like, then when you go from 1.5 to 1, it's like, and she, like, it, it sounds exaggerated when it's not. Yeah, but you get accustomed to listening to it. But anyways, I listened to Cultish. Like I said, Henny has spoke about this before. We've chatted a little bit. Really enjoyed the book. Okay, I did enjoy the book, um, and it was so interesting to think about the different organizations I've been a member of or involved in, mm-hmm. and how. I think that most workplaces are are cultish. I think so too. Do you agree? Because yes, I would. Part of because part of it is the lingo, and anytime you start a job, whatever you're doing, there's always those kind of like 
buzzwords. Um, there's another name for the types of words, but like, you know, like, in, and when I worked at McDonald's, it was a bar towel. That was the cloth you used to wipe the tables off. A bin liner. That was the garbage liners. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But when you're new, you don't, you're like, what does that even mean? I don't even know what yeah. that is. Um, so, so that was kind of neat. The, the, uh, chapter that was on gyms was really interesting because that is so true. Like how you get like a, they talked about soul cycle was, was one yeah. of the, one of the organizations. And so it's all about getting caught up, you know, the same people that are going to the same classes as you, there's a little bit of competitiveness with it. And then when you stop going or you say you're going to stop going how that relationship just kind of ends and you thought it was something that it wasn't. That was one of the most striking parts of the whole book for me. Yeah. Because and I've had that happen in, I've had that happen yeah. in like jobs, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, and, and I can, that's exactly what happened to me, like having to quit WW, but then just, just, and, just going as a member yeah. and feeling like you're on the outside of something that you yeah. were a part of that was so much a part of your life and then yeah. you don't belong anymore and it's a mm. it's a it's a shitty feeling actually yeah and it's yeah. it's tough it's a tough feeling you know like you're all of a sudden you're on the outside I can appreciate that that's what it would feel icky and yeah. I can see why like where that comes from and why that happens too right and especially especially because when you were working with ww you you weren't just working like you didn't just have like one workshop and you went you came in you did your workshop you left like you were very active in the Toronto chapter of WW yeah. and organizing a lot of the WW good events and making sure that we had all the, like, like there was a period of time for maybe a year where every month you spearheaded a different uh, donation or, or um, activity or something for people to contribute to and to do good in the community. And, and, and so, and you had a variety of different workshops, you worked in a variety of different capacities as well, at like training people. Yeah. And like, so, so you were, you did the find your me workshops, like you had all these different you weren't just an like you weren't just an employee. You were also doing all these other things as well. And so then, I think it becomes an even greater loss. Yeah. No. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So. For sure. Oh, yeah. 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 And then, and then I think, on top of all of that, for things to as a result of the pandemic to have shifted so dramatically with like, and then all of a sudden there was a virtual option that there wasn't before, but then you were not a part of that creation. Right. And so I think Mm -hmm. maybe, I mean, I don't know. I I don't, I definitely don't want to put words in your mouth, but I wonder if that is a contributing factor to all of it. Right. Yeah, for sure. A hundred percent it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, but uh, I agree I, with you that that any workplace to a certain 
yeah, to to a certain point is cultish. Yeah, you've got all your friends are there. Like it's not just the way that you make money. It is like it's it's touched every part of your life, and so and, that's and I think that the so, the social network aspect of it is major, right? Yeah, because that is, and you said this already, you know, and and you said that you experienced it as well that. Um, when you leave something, whether it's a, a gym or a job or something else, then whatever relationships you had, a lot of those relationships cease to exist because yeah. whatever that commonality was that was the reason for the relationship, it's gone. And so you, but it's, but it's tricky because you sometimes like I've had where I knew in the moment that the only reason I have a relationship with this person is because we are doing the same thing at the same time. Like, and so, and so then it doesn't feel like a loss when you leave, you know, or maybe it does, but you know that you're giving that up because that relationship only existed because of that shared moment, like that shared experience. But then there are other relationships that you have with people that you, that I didn't necessarily realize were, were only as a result of that thing. Like I thought that the relationship went past it, Uh, but then when I left and I, and that relationship ended, it was like, Oh, so that is the only reason we had that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. But then yeah, I those, also, those... I also have had the flip happen where I right. thought that I had a relationship of of convenience and a relationship yeah. of of uh, you know being in the being in the same place at the same time, and then and then when I left, I thought that the relationship would end, and it didn't. So so I've had that I've had that experience as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think yeah. that was less common. Yeah, I, I and that's that's I always those are always interesting, you know, to see which mm-hmm. of the relationships that do surpass that yeah. commonality, and then there are the ones where you don't think they are going to, and they do. So, I mean, I guess that's yeah, yeah those are interesting. Anyways, anyways, I would recommend the book too. I know that you really liked okay. it, and then it's come up a couple of times. I'll be honest that I've actually like like I'll put it back on the shelf, and then you'll mention it again, and I'll be like, oh, I should go and put it back on my shelf again. And then <laughs> I thought, oh, I'm just going to listen. I think the cover turned me off of it. Is that weird? Oh no, no, because it's a weird psychedelic kind of yeah. Yeah, and as it should the, be, because it's cultish, that makes sense. But but it doesn't really. It it's not a cover that draws you in. Yeah, no, it's not a it, cover that you see that you think, oh my goodness, this is beautiful. I need to read this book. Yeah, no, I'm Highly glad that you read it, and I'm real, and I'm, I mean, especially after having watched the Ryan Reynolds movie that you thought was <laughs> that my you recommended. <laughs> I'm glad that the thing that I actually recommended was a good one. Yeah. Shall we chat a little bit about Atlas of the Heart? Yes. Okay. Yes, let's do it. <sighs> so we're both in the midst of reading the the newest book by Brene Brown, Atlas of the mm-hmm. Heart. I think we mentioned it briefly uh, last week, just that we were getting started with that or 
yeah. maybe we just talked about that off air that you said that you asked me if I if I had read it and I hadn't. And so I was like, mm-hmm. all right, I'm going to make a concerted effort to read. So how far are you? 78% through. Okay. All right. Where are you? I'm, I'm a tiny bit farther than you. Yeah. So we were at the I'm same at, point for some point, but then. Yeah. I'm at 86%. But, and what point, but I'm listening at 1.25. I'm listening at 1.75. You're listening to Brene at 1.75. Oh. Brene speaks so slowly that it's easy oh. to listen to her fast. <laughs> I know, but I love, I love her voice. I also love and, her, but the, here, here's the thing. I love her voice, and it sounds great at 1.75. <laughs> okay, well, I'm at 1.25. Um, I'm not going to go any faster. That is totally fine. You do you, Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. This cover, by the way, if you're going to judge books on their cover, yeah, is beautiful. It is beautiful. I would re I would pick this book up because of the cover. Mm. The cover is it's it's got this gr- great image and it's the shape of a heart but not like a valentine heart that you draw like an actual no. cardiac yeah. like like yeah. yeah human heart shape but then it's made up of all different natural things like there's a hummingbird and there are flowers and there's a river and there are people looking at us at a, a like at the milky way in the galaxy like it's it's quite beautiful but anyway atlas it of is. the heart yeah and so the subtitle is mapping meaningful connection and the language of human experience well no so basically what um, Brene has done, ha, uh, she has, I think there were like 158 emotions, maybe 150, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. And so she set out to, um, you know, gather information um, on how many, yeah, that was how she did, how many emotions are out there. And then they brought it down and condensed it into 78 emotions. Mm-hmm. And so the book basically is going through those 78 emotions mm-hmm. and grouping. And some of them are in groups because some are actually opposites. Yeah. Or like on a spectrum. Yeah. Right. Right. So, so like, for example, worry, anxiety, dread, and fear are all in the same grouping compassion empathy pity sympathy that's all one group right so as i've been listening some of the some of the the things that she's talking about i've actually heard before so whether it's Mm -hmm. been in a podcast or something Mm -hmm. i have it's not new new Mm -hmm. the book is relatively new because she talks about the pandemic yeah the book just came out at the in the latter half of 2021 yeah. So, but the writing hadn't been finished until like it, it did, it was during. So I liked that about it because it addressed different emotions that I'm not sure would have been discussed as deeply, mm-hmm. nor the info, like when, when they were 
um, you know, having people answer questionnaires and, and interviewing people, I don't know whether those same emotions would have come up in the context that they did. That was that was interesting. The one that one thing that really stands out to me, and this is something that she talked about probably right in the very beginning okay. of um, of the pandemic, was um, comparative suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and in the same grouping as compassion and pity and sympathy. All of those words, comparative suffering, was grouped into that chapter as well. Yeah, but but I remember in the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah, I I, I think you know why because her podcast dropped the same week that that everything hit. That's exactly Correct. what it was. Correct. And and so comparative suffering is you know I tell you that this has happened to me and then you're like oh well but this has happened to me so people trying to like one up or yeah that you say well this is happening to me and so then I say well I can't I can't feel bad about my situation because it's not as bad as that one right so so either either situation can happen right yeah yeah, that that it, I've come back to and thought about so many times mm. over the last two years. Yeah. With myself to be thinking yeah. that I don't want to share something with somebody because they're going through something that I think it's is, you know, worse than what worse. I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Up until 2020, thinking that. Um, even when something is going on with me, that's bad. I, I'm like, you know what I, but I'm lucky. I should feel lucky because this something else is worse is happening to somebody I know, mm-hmm. or even mm-hmm. someone I don't know. So, mm-hmm. but, but like diminishing what I'm feeling, which is what it does mm-hmm. is it actually makes you feel bad mm-hmm. for whatever you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And and it, and it shouldn't be. We shouldn't be comparing mm-hmm. those, mm-hmm. you know, because me feeling bad about something that's happening somewhere else in the world over how I feel for myself doesn't make that situation change, nor does mm-hmm. it make it any better for anybody else. Mm-hmm. It really just makes me feel worse about feeling bad. Yeah. Or, or even considering yeah. that I should fe- have any feelings surrounding whatever is going on in my own life. Yeah. Yep. Have you ever had an experience? So, so that's something that you say that, that you have done for yourself where you feel like you can't share something or you shouldn't share something, or you shouldn't feel bad about something because what other, because your perception is that what other people are experiencing is worse. Have you ever had a situation where someone else like put that on you? Like that someone else may like, Like that you did share something and that the response was, okay, but it's not that bad or okay, but it could have been worse or like. I have had that. I can't tell you like an exact, like yeah. what, what it was, right. but I know that I have had, and I've done it to people too, where it's trying to downplay what it is to make them feel better. But actually it, now I know that that's not what. Yeah. That's not the result that I was getting. Yeah. 
Like, yeah. do, I, do you feel that you've also done that? I think for sure. Yeah. I, I think, I think for, I, I, and I think it's because of what you said. Like, I think sometimes someone says something and then, and this is, and this is, and this is a section of the book that she talks a lot about uh, what exactly empathy is and what compassion yeah. is and, and shame and, and how we use those tools, how we say that we're using those tools, but we're not like how, how we, how we do something or we say something under the guise of it being empathy but it's not actually empathy and this is why and this is one of the things that she says that we do that we you know downplay what someone else is experiencing in an effort to help them feel like it's not so bad you know right. like and exactly like exactly what you said the other thing that that we like to do is we like to offer a solution yeah you know or offer a strategy and doing those things that's not empathy right if empathy is recognizing what the person is feeling mm -hmm. and identifying for yourself what that feeling feels like yeah. and actually that okay so <laughs> tim and i go back and forth all the time on the empathy sympathy thing because he can't keep them straight and I think that I can keep them straight, but what I try to keep them, like when I try to explain it, I get mixed up too. So, but, but like, he's a lost cause. And so he, <laughs> he will, he will often say like, and I'm trying to be empathetic or am I being sympathetic? Like he, <laughs> he cannot, cannot keep them straight. So, and so I always remember like sympathy is saying, I feel sorry for you, but empathy is like, putting myself I, in your shoes like this is how yes. I've kept those two things straight but yeah. in this chapter and this was striking to me when I heard it was in this chapter she says that empathy is not actually putting yourself into someone else's shoes what empathy no. is is recognizing what that feeling feels like for you and recognizing that that is the that they are feeling that feeling for them and mm. like and so it's not me putting myself in your shoes because I can't do that. Yeah. I haven't had the same situation. I haven't had the same experience. I haven't been you in that moment. So I can't put myself in your shoes. But if you are feeling shame, I also know what shame feels like. And so yeah. I can, I can understand the feeling that you have. I cannot understand what you are going through. I cannot, I, I cannot have that exact sense and, and know exactly the moment you are in, but I can have some understanding for the feeling that you have. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, that's so good. Yeah. And it makes, and it makes a lot of sense and it's, and it's meaning, it's more meaningful, I think, because the whole idea with with showing people compassion and with and showing yourself compassion too but and being empathetic towards other people is trying to find common ground and trying to 
find a deeper understanding. And it doesn't mean that we have to be the same. It just no. means that we have to, it doesn't even mean that we have to have the same experiences. It just means that we have to understand what we're feeling. Yeah. And, and that's why comparative suffering is not useful because if you're feeling loss for the loss of a certain thing, I, I maybe haven't lost that thing, but yeah. I, also, but I understand what loss is. Yeah. So, so we can communicate uh, like in terms of loss in general. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you, now, do you remember what she said about irony and sarcasm? Ooh, yes. Okay. I knew you'd remember, so explain it, because that was good. Okay, so the difference with irony and sarcasm is that sarcasm is done in a way to put another person down. Yeah. Whereas irony is, is not. Right. So in both irony and sarcasm, you are saying one thing when you mean another. Yeah. But when you are when you are speaking sarcastically, the purpose is to put another person down or humiliate another person or like yeah. make another person feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. And she was very I mean, because she's so, so honest about her own, yeah, who she is, and yeah. she's, you know, what was it that, you know, I realized, like, I've disguised, you know, yeah. <laughs> sarcasm as irony for, yeah. for forever, you know. That's what she, yeah, she said, like, you know, that, that sometimes I say things, and then I just say, like, oh, I was just being ironic, she's like, but yeah. I wasn't. <laughs> wasn't you know. That that was meant yeah. to be hurtful or teasing. She said, maybe it's not meant yeah. to be, it's not necessarily meant to be hurtful, but it is meant to be teasing. And the problem, of course, with teasing is that yeah. if, if both people aren't in on it, it's yes. no longer teasing. And she actually, she gives an example of a relationship that she has with a person that she works with. And she said, and we have the, like the most fun, sarcastic banter back and forth. But she said, but we never have, we never speak sarcastically when it comes to our work. Yeah. Because if we did that, it would cross the line over teasing and it could, it could land into hurtful territory. So, yeah. so she said, so sarcasm can be fun and it can be a, a, a positive part of a relationship and of a communication style, right. but both, mm -hmm. both parties have to be in on it. Yeah. 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 That's, that's where boundaries, that's where boundaries come in. The boundaries, yeah. <laughs> which she likes to talk to about. Boundaries, which I, <laughs> It's always good to hear a little bit more about boundaries. <laughs> it, is. it is so tricky. Tricky, tricky. It was about lots of interesting sections in the book where she really, and that's the whole point. And that's, I guess that's why it's an atlas, right? It's, it's sort of yeah. like an encyclopedia, you know, carrying you through all of these different words and what they actually mean and how they show up in life and, and, um, so so interesting some of these words that we use interchangeably that yeah. that are 
such interchangeable. And the mm-hmm. one that you had mentioned to me earlier, Sandy, when we were chatting was jealousy and envy. Mm-hmm. And we often use those two words one in place of the other when really they're two different things. Yeah, because, yeah, envy is, it generally was with between two people. Jealousy is three. Right, because she says envy is when you wish for what someone else has. Yeah. But jealousy is when you worry that you're going to lose what you Ooh. have to another person. Correct. Yeah. That differentiation, like when yeah. she's... So, we're both listening to the audiobook, and Brene Brown has a great voice to listen to. And but even the way that she reads her own audiobook is very fun because she she'll even say, like, I know, like, it's an audiobook, and I know lots of you are driving or folding socks or doing something. She's like, so I'm just going to go back and repeat that. So I'm going back to the part where I was talking about this. And yeah. then she'll, like, read it over again. Yeah. And it's, it's, I love it. Like, every time yeah. that she does it, I just, she's like, I'm just going to pause for a minute so you can take that in. I'm going to read it one more time. I'm like, this is such a delight. Like, it, it really, the book, if you like a podcast but you don't really like an audiobook this is a good audiobook to start with because yeah. it listens like a podcast right is that fair to say you think totally yeah i'm seeing if yeah. i had anything else written down the other thing that i wrote down was she has a whole section about perfectionism i i, I know <laughs> And so she, so I wrote a few of, I wrote a few of them down because as I was listening, I was like, oh, but that's, that's that's not you. No. So I I thought the same thing, Henny, today. I was like, that is not Henny. No. Maybe, maybe you've labeled yourself something that is not. Incorrectly. Yeah. Yeah. Because she, so, cause I, I, I even like paused it and rewinded it to listen to it again. So I could write things down. So yeah. she, cause she has four things. So she said people with high levels of perfectionism, number one, um, they are doomed to fail at meeting their own expectations and the expectations that they perceive others having of them. I feel like that is the one of all of them that fits me the most. Like, I think I have high expectations for myself and I perceive that other people have those expectations for me. Although in reality and the older I get, the more I realize that other people's expectations of me are not as high as I think that they are. Yeah. And they're not as high as the expectations that I have for myself, but do I set expectations that are unreasonable? Yes. So, so that part of it, I'm like, okay. But then it also says people with high levels of perfectionism perceive themselves as consistently falling short of others' expectations. And I don't think that's me. No. Like, I think that other people have high expectations of me, and and so I work my butt off to achieve them. Like, I, I don't actually think of myself as not reaching those expectations ever. Mm -hmm. Or consistently, like sometimes, yes, but consistently. 
The other thing were the other things were people with high levels of perfectionism behave in ways that result in both the perceived and the actual rejection of others. And people with high levels of perfectionism feel socially disconnected and have fewer social social connections. And I don't think either of those things are true for me. Like, I don't think that that I feel like people reject or exclude me or that people do reject or exclude me. And I don't mm -hmm. feel that I'm socially disconnected. Yeah. No, even I, though I, those are like measures of like common traits among people with high levels of perfectionism. And so I thought the same thing when I, when I heard that part of the book, I thought, Oh, that's, I wonder, yeah, like maybe I've given myself a a label that is not actually no. true. Because if I'm, if I'm like, tell me if I'm not right, but I, you often have said like from a young age, you always like did the best that you could do in school, mm -hmm. you know, because you felt that if you did that, then people would overlook mm -hmm. the weight. Yep. Where does that though fall into one of those four? Like that's, that's what I was trying to. Right. And so here's what I think. I don't think it falls into any of that. Maybe you're not quite this far because I think this is right at the section that I just stopped listening, but I, I just heard a section where she was talking about insecurity. Oh, heard her talk oh. about insecurity yet. So no. there's this, so there's a section where she talks about insecurity and like what it means to be insecure. And then she talks about the, the paradox of, high self-esteem and still insecure and so she's like how can that happen like how can you have high self-esteem and still feel insecure about things and and she, because i think that's me interesting because she said that that self-esteem is your belief of your own a, like your own goodness or your own value based on your accomplishments and the things that you've done. Uh. And when she said that, I was like, oh. <laughs> and so when you feel accomplished, when you feel like you can do the things that you set out to do, when you feel like you can, that you're able to um, do things and be things and and see things and experience things and understand things when you feel like you have the capacity for that and you and you show yourself that you have the capacity for that by doing it then yeah. you have then you have self-esteem okay and, and I would say that I've always had high self-esteem like I always felt that I was capable of doing things yeah. But then the insecurity part is the part where it's like, but you're still unsure about how someone is going to react to this or yeah. about whether or not you're going to be good enough for that. or but like. And so I think yeah. that's, I don't know where perfectionism fits into that or doesn't, but that yeah. little 
piece of what she was talking about, I was like, aha. And so I think that's it for me. That I'm insecure about my, my body and my weight. Yeah. And, and as a result of that, or maybe not even Even, as a result, beside that, I'm, I'm, I'm very accomplished and I'm very capable. And so I can still feel really good about myself and then also be unsure about how people are going to react because of this part of me. Yes, that makes more sense. Right? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I don't know what to do with that or where to go with that, but that's, that's kind of what I, that's, that's kind of, that's what I've been thinking about. That got dumped on your lap today. Yeah. 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 That truly like, cause she was like, cause as soon as she said it, like self-esteem and insecurity and I was like, okay, she's like, but how, like you can have high self-esteem and still be insecure. And I was like, mm, okay. Like, I don't really see that, but whatever. And then she was like, you know, and you're probably saying, you know, you can't really see that. And I'm thinking, yep, that's exactly what I'm saying. And then she explained, I was like, oh, <laughs> busted. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because she starts by saying that the only feelings that people can consistently recognize in the moment that they are feeling it are happy, sad, and angry. Yeah, I know. And, and yet there are all these other emotions, right? And so the yeah. first step is really understanding what these different emotions are and then, you know, we can put the, the language to what we're feeling, right? Because, right. because the way that the, the things that we need from ourselves and the things that we need from other people change depending on exactly what nuanced emotion it is that you're feeling, right? Exactly. Yeah. You know, like irritation and frustration and anger and contempt are not the same thing. No, they're not. Right? Even though they are all related and sometimes you can feel more than one or one leads to the other. But they are, they are very different. You know what the other thing she said just in the section that I recently read, I'm not sure if you got this far, she was talking about the idea of your feelings and how your feelings can be hurt. And, and she said, we have a lot of different words for hurt. Like you can be hurt, you can be in pain, you can be wounded, but your feelings can't be anything but hurt. Like your feelings can't be wounded, you know, but you, but your feelings are hurt. And then, and she was also saying that there was, she was referencing a study where they, the findings were that when you have hurt feelings, it's a mixture of a bunch of emotions. So when your feelings are hurt, you can feel sadness and shame and anger all at the same time. Mm-hmm. But it's not the same as feeling all of those three emotions. It's it's a different, because they're mixed, it's a thing all on its own. And so she was like, I was trying to explain this to my kids. And, she's, and she said, the only thing I could think of was the rainbow snow cone. She's like, when yeah. you put all of the flavors on the snow cone, I know that it's cherry and grape and lime. 
but the rainbow snow cone doesn't taste like cherry and grape and lime. It no. tastes like rainbow snow cone. Yeah. And, and she was like, that's what hurt feelings are. We know that it's a mixture of feelings, but it just feels like hurt feelings. Yeah. <laughs> there were so mm-hmm. many little pieces like that that I was like, oh, I like that. Oh, I yeah. like that. And so yeah. I guess the question then for you, Sandy, is like now we've, you know, unpacked a lot of what's in the book. What do we do with this information? Yeah. That's a good question, honey. So the final chapter in the book, I was looking at what the chapters were called. The final chapter in the book is cultivating meaningful connection. And so I think where she is headed is how do we take this knowledge of all of these emotions that we can feel and how they feel and why we might feel them and how can we use that to create more meaningful connections with other people, improve our communication and improve yeah. our relationships. You know, like I, I think that's where it's headed. Yeah. But I'm not quite sure because I'm not that far. Yeah. <laughs> cliffhanger yeah. cliffhanger <laughs> um i think for me i know that i would i would have said you know maybe even like 5 years ago that there were you know like i could describe a handful of emotions and that now i do understand when having conversations with people more when i have conversations with people with other people is being able to distinguish between some of them. And then I'm working to also try to figure out what, what it is that I'm actually feeling. Mm. Because when you try to name the feeling, you do need to know where it's coming from too. Mm -hmm. And so that takes a little bit more work, Mm -hmm. but it, I mean, it makes sense that she's going to wrap it all up with making meaningful connections because that's better. You know, when you understand yourself better, you understand other people better. Mm-hmm. You're more able to give other people what they need. And I think above all, you're more able to ask for what it is that you need. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing, Henny. These, 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 these emotions are not new. No. So somewhere, I mean, they've all got definitions. They've all, mm-hmm. someone has, has actually identified and, and, and defined them. Mm-hmm. They're used in literature. Mm-hmm. But obviously, but, just, but most of us don't even know when we're reading, reading those words in a, in a piece of literature, what that actually feels like, which is what we're supposed to be doing or what the, the writer is hoping we are going to do, mm-hmm. which is why they've, you chose those words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need to do a better job of, well, I think we need to do a better job with young people yeah. identifying mm-hmm. beyond yeah glad mad sad 
No, exactly. Yeah. Right. How are you? You know, like, like, I, like I don't know how many times like you have a thing. It's like when when you're five, you can be angry or sad yeah. or happy. That's fine. But yeah. when you're fifteen, we we've got to be past that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Which I mean, think about it though. Think about any, have you ever done, you know, like a questionnaire and they've been asking you, you know, based on this question, how do you feel? Blah, blah, blah. And they give you, I don't know, 10 emojis, half of the emojis. You don't even know what, what does that even mean? Yeah. <laughs> we don't know what those mean. Right. Because we, we don't know what that word actually feels like. Like what, what, what word is attached? What, what emotion is attached to that? I don't yeah. know. It's kind of like, you know, the emoji where it's like half of a smirky look and then one eye is closed and, you know, like, what is that exactly? <laughs> well, and depending on who you ask, they might tell you different things. Correct. That, that's, so, that's opening up a whole other can of worms. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well, I often send you that emoji, so, because I like that emoji. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> For me, every time you send it to me, it's like the I'm thinking, I'm wondering, do you have an answer? That's that's what that emoji means to me. <laughs> All right, Sandy, if you could wish our listeners one emotion for this week, what would it be? Oh my goodness. Oh, honey, that's so hard. One emotion for this week. Mm. Oh, shame no no shame is terrible <laughs> why would you say that because i was trying to get a reaction and i did <laughs> now i'm sending you the little smirking emoji face yeah exactly <laughs> what is that i i don't know you see because then i'm gonna fall to like what is one of the ones that would come to top of mind compassion oh that's a nice one to actually to you know what no i compassion i would say empathy empathy for other people in the world right now where there's a yes. bunch of crazy stuff going on and people are that's beautiful yeah that's what i would that's that's what okay. i would wish i like that i like that thank you oh, i was on the hook there <laughs> well a great convo <laughs> Yeah. And you know what? I feel a lot better because I wasn't feeling so good in our talk before. I was a little little upset. And so, but now I'm feeling much better. So thank you for that. You're Appreciate welcome. that. You're welcome. Yep. In uh in the book, there's a part where Brene quotes Dolly Parton. Oh. I mean I know. you know. Come on. And so she says, and so she quotes it, but it's actually one of Jolly Parton's songs. And it says, I wish you joy and happiness, but above all, I wish you love. And I was like, Oh, it's tearing at my heartstrings. Please <laughs> don't say any more. <laughs> but then I actually sing it. it to me. Sing it to me. <laughs> yeah. oh, so dear. lots lots yeah. of wonderful emotions to uh to send out yeah. into the world absolutely, and, and especially to our listeners yes that's right all right miss henny well thank you very much have a wonderful rest of your day yeah, and to everyone too. who's been listening thank you so much we appreciate you, your ears um we hope we can give you a couple of chuckles um yeah we'll and we appreciate week. get you next week yeah exactly all right take care all right bye Bye.